Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad. Now to game night, the Edmonton Oilers, the Florida Panthers at Rogers play six of the next seven at home for Edmonton. Five of the next seven games against teams that are below the playoff cut line, which the Oilers are as well. In this hour, Oilers forward Milan Lucic, former Toronto Maple Leafs general manager, Toronto-based media personality Gord Stellick, another former Maple Leafs uh, GM, a longtime NHL executive, huge sports fan with NHL hockey and Rogers, Brian Burke coming up for Canadian Power Pack. Second hour of Oilers Now is brought to you by Digitex. You can now buy your PCs from Digitex. Keep it all under one roof with one number to call and one simple invoice for all your office technology needs. You can text us on our Heartland Ford text line at 630-630 with over $10 million in new and pre-owned inventory. They're one of the largest volume Ford dealers in Alberta. Experience the difference of Heartland Ford as we go to our River Cree Resort Casino hotline, 780-496-0063. Brian Burke joins us right now. Brian, how was your experience at Lambeau Field? It was awesome. And, yes, Red Batty is still there, the old trainer. There you go. Uh, can you speak to learning from other sports and managers and coaches and whether or not you can uh, transfer that into uh, management in the NHL? Absolutely. Um, my first year in, in Vancouver as an assistant GM, I played high school football and hockey with uh, Jim Finks' boys okay. when he ran the Vikings. Yep. And he had gone down to New Orleans to run the Saints and – I sent him a note and said, can I come in and study what you do in training camp? So I went down and studied what they did in training camp. Then he went back and spent three full days and a game day watching their game presentation. And I came back with, you know, we, we wanted to be, in Pat Quinn's words, not the best practices in the NHL, but best practices in pro sports. So I came back with a whole bunch of stuff that we adopted. Um, when I was with the Leafs, we did a full exchange with the Saints, a new management team, obviously, but... They sent four people up to study all of our business practices. We went back down there. I've been at training camp with another five or six NFL teams, including I went with the Chargers last summer. So just this past summer, I went to camp with the Chargers. So um, I've tried, studied NBA, Major League Baseball, and yes, there's a lot you can translate over. Is there one that's closest or most analogous with uh, hockey? I would say football in terms of how they prepare for the draft, how they have to manage a hard salary cap, uh, how they have positional coaches. And, and, you know, they have 32 coaches with the Green Bay Packers. It's absurd. But um, the notion that different players perform different tasks and how you draft on that basis, uh, I found it very interesting. And the guy that I probably learned the most from in football was Bill Polian, who ran the Colts for years and years and years. He's a brilliant guy, works for ESPN now. And the top baseball guy I studied under was Ned Coletti, who's a brilliant guy Dodgers. teaching at Pepperdine now. Yeah, was with the Dodgers forever. Uh, well, as I mentioned, Jack Michaels and myself, second national championship game, four years. 
uh, I think we counted 22 coaches on the Alabama sideline in the uh, in the white, uh, uh, you know, the, the white jackets as the team came out. Maybe they needed 30. I don't know. I mean, we're, we're, I'm still kind of in shock with what happened. But that happens in sport, doesn't it? I mean, you have it, and, and that's where I'm going to go next, just the, the pressure on the favorite in a one-off game. Uh, and, hey, give Clemson full credit. There, You know, some people are saying Trevor Lawrence is the best. Well, they're saying he was the, the most highly ranked high school quarterback ever. Uh, so special quarterback. But in, in sport, you think it's – Tougher, more so ever than before, when you're the favorite, when you've got that target on your back. Well, I, I'm not a I'm not a fan of Nick Saban or Alabama, and I don't follow college football closely. But I was thrilled with that result, and um, they they seem to they seem to really relish beating the the big boys across the state. So I enjoyed watching the the I saw some of the game and then watched the post game interviews and. Uh, I was happy for them. Happy for Clemson. Uh, Clemson's got a hell of a program right now. Do you do you buy that? That uh, you know what? When you're in, in a one-off, it's sometimes tougher on the favorite because you've got added pressure on you because there's an expectation and everyone's trying to knock you off. Absolutely, that, that's absolutely true. I think it's beyond dispute, as a matter of fact. And I think the other thing too is you get in a one-off game like that. That's why our best of seven is really much more fair to the two teams involved, you're going to generally find out who's the better team in a best of seven. And in a one-off, it can be one or two mistakes in the first half that determine the game. So uh, I think it's tremendous pressure on both teams, but the favorite more so. And um, it was pretty exciting. They've produced some pretty exciting games the last few years. Even the score of this game was lopsided, but they, they ran up a couple late touchdowns. The score was closer than... And, you know, the game was closer than the score indicates. Absolutely. Uh, let's go back to 2010, speaking, because uh, we got Roberto Luongo in town, uh, Canada against the U.S., and I don't mean to uh, disrespect the United States. The United States is 1B to Canada's 1A for me, but Canada was still a favorite in Vancouver, weren't they? Yep. And I think the uh, we, we beat Canada in the, in the pool, we we won five four I think in the pool game. So you play everyone in your pool on the way through, and we beat Canada and they yanked Marty Brodeur and I think that really was a, was a nail in our coffin because Roberto Luongo went in and Marty Brodeur is a great player and Hall of Famer, but Roberto was a little sharper than I think and it was tough for us after that. 2014, uh, the matchup against Canada and U.S., to me, that game was a little bit different. You know what I mean? Like, I, I watched with some nerves in 2010. For, you know, I'm Canadian. Well, you're both. But I wanted Canada to win. And, you know, in 2010, I was nervous, especially with the Americans tying the game late. In 2014, it seemed like Canada had the puck like 75% of the game. The, the structure of the defense that they had in place and the caliber of defense as well. Uh, you know, and it was just a one-goal game. But it wasn't wasn't a one goal game because I really I mean Canada outscored their opposition seventeen to three Brian over those three over the games at the Olympics that year. Yeah, our game was a one goal game, but I felt Canada controlled the play. I was I was uh, not happy with our effort and not happy. Um, we we didn't make a couple adjustments that I thought we should have made, so we'll just leave it at that. It's uh, but I don't think we were close in that game. I thought we got outplayed badly. Do you have any theory? The Oilers have gone, you know, we just got back uh, from, uh, you know, the Arizona and California road trip, and the Oilers had, I mean, they were up and down like uh, uh, the proverbial toilet seat at Rogers Place here. I mean, you know, strong performance, 
final 40 minutes against Arizona, got a win, an absolute stinker against LA, 4-0 loss. Respond back, shut out Anaheim 4-0, though, you know, Talbot gave him some saves early, and the Ducks aren't going well these days. And then San Jose blitzes them 7-2. They got a couple bounces, but still, that game wasn't close. Is that just a byproduct of having, uh, you know, younger, higher-end players and maybe not, you know, not, not depth or, you know, not quite a mature team yet? Or Do you have any theories as to why we're seeing this? Well, I have the theory of having been a general manager of a team that went through slumps and cycles like that, um, especially in Canada. Everything gets exaggerated and exacerbated. When you, you lose three in a row and people are saying, we've got to fire the coach, we've got to fire the gym, we've got to trade 17 guys, uh, we, we need a new aircraft charter company, we need a new bus, and all of a sudden now your players are starting to feel the weight of it. Now you lose the fourth one. and you wonder if you're ever going to win again. And so I think it gets exaggerated and exacerbated and, and increased. The pressure gets ratcheted up in a Canadian city. Um, but the, the game, the only game that really disappointed me was the L.A. game. I thought that was a, I thought that was a complete no-show. And you rarely get a complete no-show. Usually, I remember Tommy Larshide was a longtime color yep. guy with the, with the Canucks. And it's always positive. And I said to him one day, I said, Tommy, how come you're always positive? He said, because 20 players never suck. He said, maybe 16 do, maybe 17 do, but he said, they don't all suck. My job is to find the ones that didn't suck and talk about them. I said, well, what if they all sucked? He said, then I talk about the pregame meal, how good it was. I said, what if the pregame meal sucked? He said, then I talk about the anthem singer and how good she was. So always find a positive. So... You're looking in the L.A. game, you're saying, okay, 20 players seldom mail it in. Did anyone have a game that I noticed and could say, well, they tried. They tried to make a difference. And the answer for me is no. I, I thought it was a collective, complete no-show. And that's hard to say about a team. It's very difficult yeah. to find a game like that. Yeah, well, uh, L.A. did make it interesting for the listeners that don't know. Tom Irshad actually played football for the BC Lions and morphed into the Canucks radio analyst while doing at one point he was doing both jobs he was doing both the uh, BC Lions and the uh, I think he played at Utah State if I'm not mistaken uh, back in the day might have been a running back Brian Burke joining us for our friends at Canadian Power Pack Brian in the game on Sunday night Connor McDavid uh, and he engaged defenseman Hampus Lindholm before Lindholm cross-checked him in the board so he got inside of him gave him a bit of shot they were jostling for position but the fact of the matter is Lindholm did cross-check McDavid in the boards. Now, my frustration is I, I do think we need to protect our stars a little in the NHL, and we don't do it at all. You, and I watch NFL, and in the NFL they protect quarterbacks, and in the NBA they definitely give the stars the benefit of the doubt. I'm not necessarily convinced that occurs in the National Hockey League, so it's a two-parter. Number one, do we need to be protecting our stars more in the NHL? Uh, because, hey, they sell the tickets. And number two, do we need to change the rule on that play where a guy gets driven into the boards? Well, first off, it's a common misnomer that the NFL protects its stars. The NFL protects its quarterbacks. Okay. They, they put that whole class of player, that one position, in a special, but they don't, in a special category. They don't care if it's Drew Brees or Joe Schmo. The quarterback's protected because because it's such a critical position and they're so vulnerable. 
I think player safety does protect our stars. I have a real different view of that, and I love Connor McDavid, but I thought he started the whole thing. He engaged with Lindholm, and, and Lindholm, I don't think it was a vicious cross-check as much as Connor was off balance. Yeah. So I don't like it. I think it was a penalty, but right. I certainly don't think it's a suspension. And, yes, I think the league does protect their stars. I think they uh, – I will tell you, my grunts on my teams, my third and fourth line guys – when, when a star player, something happened to a star player, they'd say to me, oh, boy, he just got two games, so that was me, I would have got six. So I think they do protect the stars. I think, they look, I think we have a good balance going where the players have to fight some of their own battles. But I was more disturbed about Dowdy's elbow than then Lindholm hit. Really? Yeah. And the locker right was... Yeah, been laughing about it on the bench and no one did a thing. Uh, I, you don't know how upset I was. I mean, I was livid. That's a 4 nothing game. Who cares if you take an instigator? 100%. And then Jeff Carter after, you know, getting a piece of him as well. And, um, you know, the players are different today, Brian. Well, I don't think the game's changed that much. And, and I know I know some of the players on Edmonton, and I was disappointed. And they, and they can say, well, you could get suspended for doing that. Yeah, but how many clean head fights have you seen this year? Probably 50 where teammates have backed up and a, 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 a teammate gets hit and one of his teammates comes to his defense and fights and gets the instigator or doesn't. Um, so it's alive and well. Protecting your stars is alive and well in our league, and they've got to do more of that for Connor. All right, I don't know whether or not Milan Lucic saw what happened, but he played for the L.A. Kings. He's a former teammate of Jeff Carter's and Drew Doughty's. Uh, I, you know, you and me probably don't think that should matter, but does that matter today for today's players? Yeah, it's hard to fight someone who's been a teammate or a buddy. It's really hard to do, and you wouldn't do a good job of it anyway. You just hang on and try and make it look good. Someone else got to answer there, not someone who played with those guys. All right, so Cassie and Jujarikero, I mean, they've got enough of that. I mean, Pete Shirelli... It doesn't even, Bob, it doesn't even have to be a tough guy. It's the notion that you're going after a guy who just ran your teammate. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you win that fight. This is all about doing the right thing. It's not you can't just fight when you think you can win. You got to fight when the situation demands it. Well, and you guys in Anaheim, that third line you had, where Paulson. I mean, I remember seeing Paulson knock Jordan. I mean, he cost. Uh, uh, oh, what's his face? Uh, Jared Stoll's about a season and a half with a concussion, and there was no response from Edmonton. And I was, but you guys had Niedermeyer and Moan on that line. And none of those guys, I mean, Moan was a light heavyweight. Niedermeyer could do it when he wanted, but they all knew you guys were team tough, top to bottom. And just, you know what? The Oilers of the 80s, they were they were team tough, man. Like, every, yeah. when they played Calgary, everybody knew, you know, you, you, wanted, you, you wanted to have a scar in your face at the end of the yeah. game as well. Well, we dressed we tried to dress four guys every night that would be willing to answer the bell. Most teams at that time dressed two. Right. So in the card game, we always had an edge. Now that's it. You know, the Oilers didn't have the response against L.A. I, you know, they were quick to respond against Anaheim, who have run the Oilers show, Brian, for me, all the way back to when you were the GM of that franchise. Yeah, but I heard Hitch, I heard Hitch gave it to him. He had to go in and give it to him to get him. I, I, I'm not impressed. That one game to me... And I'm becoming an Edmonton fan. I'm following the team because right. I do the show. I'm interested. I like Peter Shirelli immensely. I've been friends with Hitch for 30 years. I, I, I try not to find negatives about this team, but that L.A. game, I'm telling you, it bothered me. I said it on the air. It was an insufficient uh, urgency in that game, total lack of response. 
And that I was really disappointed. I still am. You can hear it in my voice. I'm still disappointed in that game. Well, you know what, Brian? Uh, I do the team's games. I'm the color guy, and I didn't go down the Tom Larshide path after that game. I mean, I was almost disconsolate. That's how frustrated I was. I'm like, what the is going on here? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, enough of this stuff. Like, at some point. Now, the interesting thing about Edmonton's situation is it's a turtle derby right now to claim one of those two spots in the uh, – Wild card spots. Dallas has zoomed past Colorado. Colorado, three wins in their last 17 games. Uh, Minnesota's in the mix. They're a veteran team. They're down a significant defenseman, Matthew Dumba. Vancouver's still in the mix. Um, Anaheim's obviously in the mix. It's right there for the Oilers to go get, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so there's three points out. And, and who would have guessed this? You, you remember tough start. They changed the coach. Hitch comes in and they go 9-2-2. Two, two. Koskinen's standing on his head. Chase on banging in goals. They can get that magic back. There's no reason they can't go on a run like that again. They've got to get back to detail and start out working their opponents. But they've got a favorable schedule. They're pretty healthy. And um, there's no reason they can't get right back in this race. They win two games, and they're back in a playoff spot. Final one for you. We had a listener text the show on our Heartland Ford text line. Can you ask Brian Burke whether or not he's surprised at what Johnny Goodrow is doing this season in Calgary? No, I'm not. And, and by the way, I drive a Ford too. I drive a Ford F-150. I'm not. I'm not surprised. Um, you know what? What he doesn't get credit for. Everyone knows how gifted he is. But what Johnny doesn't get credit for is he works like a dog. You watch him play. He works harder than the average superstar would dream of working. And he works in practice and he works in games. He works like a dog. He's skating the entire time. So no, I'm not surprised. I think the change on his line to get Lindholm on the line was critical to this happening, but he's doing so many things so well right now, it's astonishing. And they have the most underrated defenseman in the NHL. His name's Mark Giordano. That guy is a top 10 defenseman in this league. He's the top five this year for me, Bob. Honestly, he's, he's racking up points, but he's a gifted defender. He'll fight. He's a great teacher, great captain. Like They're there so lucky to have him. He's one of the best guys. 31 years in the business. He's one of the best guys I ever had, ever. Awesome stuff. Brian, thank you for your time. Thanks, Bob. Sorry about the, the screw-up at the start there. Hey, you know what happens. Thanks a lot. Yep. Thanks. <laughs> That's Brian Burke, uh, courtesy of our friends at Canadian Power Pack. Speaking of Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication, and solar. Guests on the show receive gift cards to Japanese Village Steak and Seafood cooked right at your table. Japanese Village, Edmonton South, Downtown, Northside, and Sherwood Park. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. When we come back, another former Maple Leafs general manager, longtime Toronto-based media personality, Gord Stellick. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.